Welcome to WeChat Divorce, hosted by Karen Chalou, legal liaison, and Catherine Shanahan, CDFA. Each episode, we sit down with divorce professionals and industry experts to provide insights and frank discussions about real people, real situations, and real divorce to help you achieve your best life post-divorce. This episode of WeChat Divorce is brought to you by My Divorce Solution, offering divorce financial preparation services so clients can prepare for divorce, protect their assets, and secure their worth. Visit MyDivorceSolution.com to apply to work with us. Welcome to WeChat Divorce. Today, Catherine and I welcome Hilsa Ford Martinez to our podcast. In this episode, we'll be discussing how to prepare for divorce, the four R's of emotional restoration. But first, let me take just a couple minutes to introduce Hilsa. Hilsa is a licensed marriage and family therapist with over 25 years of experience in couples therapy, conflict resolution, and improving interpersonal relationships. She's the founder and CEO of Resolution Counseling Center. Her navigational mapping, which I hope we learn more about today, this technique offers a comprehensive roadmap that meets patients where they are emotionally and explores safe paths to guide them back to wellness. Welcome, Hilza. Thank you, Catherine, Karen. I'm very pleased to be able to talk with you about a topic that is near and dear to me to try to help any way I can. It's awesome having you. So thanks for being with us. Absolutely. So before we get started on the four R's, which is difficult for me to say today for some reason, I want to talk about a quote I saw on your website by Virginia Sater that says, we come together on the basis of our similarities. We grow on the basis of our differences. Talk to us a little bit about how that quote is relevant to you and your practice and your clients. Well, the Virginia Satir always talked about the experiences and how people connected through experiences. And we usually think, well, what we know, what is similar, what is familiar to us tends to draw us in. And that is true. The unfamiliar can be scary, can be a little overwhelming. However, when we really want to do growth, meaning personal development, self-awareness, that has to happen in the realm of differences. So you have one way of being or thinking or philosophies, and I may have another. And in being able to have a loving and safe conversation, conversations about those differences is how we have the potential to really grow. Similarity allows for safety. Great. We need that safety. But in order for us to really have some sense of growth and extending, kind of going out of our comfort zone, it has to happen by going into the areas of the unknown. So I just always felt that that quote really resonated for me and in what I try to get across when I'm working with clients. Yeah, that's very important because if you don't learn, you don't grow, right? Right. I think Karen and I are a perfect example of a partnership like that. We have each other's strengths and weaknesses are the opposite of each other. But I know I've grown and become so much better in so many ways in my life because of her input. Although I don't always agree with it, I sometimes walk away and have morphed into that. So I'll often say, okay, Karen, I'll read a response and it sounds like me, but it's actually her. And I'll read a response of mine and it'll sound like Karen, but it's actually me. <laughs> so I do think it's very beneficial. I love that quote. It's so important for people to hear right now around the world in many different areas of their lives. 
Absolutely. I love that. And I love the word differences. And Mm -hmm. I think that's a better word to use because I think most people assign differences to conflict, Mm -hmm. right? And I think that's exactly what you're saying. And if we can all just see it as a positive, how different will our lives be? Yeah, that's Mm -hmm. wonderful. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Now, I love that quote, too. Thank you. (laughs) You know, when you talk about it, I know we're going to talk about your four R's, but it's just throwing me here. And that's great for co-parenting. You are going to co-parent differently. And it doesn't mean your way is the better way, even though we all feel like our way is the better way. But how good would it be for the children if you can incorporate your spouse's different way of doing things post-divorce? And at least normalize it. Like your dad does things one way and I do things another and they... Both could be okay. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I like that. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, let's get into the four R's of emotional restoration after a divorce, betrayal, trauma, signs, and how to start healing, learn to trust again in a new relationship. So the fact that we've already talked about learning to accept and allow differences, it's probably a good place to start. Very often. Yes. I mean, This is a paradigm that I use to try to help people, couples, mostly women that I tend to work with in this stage of divorce, very often post-infidelity. So I try to give them a framework of these four R's so that it's something that not only is simple, meaning not very complicated, but also then with an ability to practically or pragmatically step into it. So the first R is about rest. Karen, Catherine, for me, rest is a super important piece of healing. And we're in this hustle culture, like the kids like to call it, right? This hustle culture, we're going, going, going. And the idea of rest very often implies unproductive or lazy. It has this whole kind of negative connotation to it. And yet in my opinion and in my experience, Resting is crucial. Resting could be reading a book, taking a nap. It could be even an active form of resting, meaning I'm going to go do an activity or a hobby, but that's only about me and for me. It's not about anybody else or taking care of anybody else, but for me. So that the idea of letting yourself bring the body as well as the mind into a state of rest is where I think we can start this process of healing, of kind of letting things settle, especially when we've had a very big blow, which is very often what infidelity or any other reasons for divorce can be. It can be a very devastating blow to our person and our sense of self, our sense of self-worth. So I start with rest. So how long do you attribute rest periods for? Like, what does rest, could it be two days of rest? Could it be an hour of rest? Like how much rest does one person need, do you think? Yeah, and Catherine, uh, people will always ask me that, right? It's just like, how long do you grieve for something? It's a very unique process. And that's a big part of my conversations with people, with women is first and foremost, just we have to wrap our heads around the idea of it's okay to just rest. You tell me how much time you want to rest. There is a difference between resting and, for example, sleeping or resting and depression. And we can delineate those. Mostly it has to do with intensity of how you're doing the resting. It has to do with frequency and it does have to do with duration. If you are in bed under the covers for six months, we might have to talk about this in a different way. 
But if you just, you got some really horrific news here, your partner of, I don't know, from five years to 25 years, very often it really doesn't matter, but your partner has been unfaithful. That's a devastating blow for a lot of us. Betrayal, it's at the core of very often mostly implicit or implied agreements that we have within romantic partnerships. You have this idea that you're going to be loved and cherished and taken care of, and you have found a place to belong. And when there is this sense of betrayal, when there is this stepping out of the primary relationship, that's usually very impactful. So rest has to be very unique. And I give it, I talk about it with people very broadly. Like I said, resting might be laying on the couch, staring out the window, but it also might be about, wow, I need to get out and walk because I'm a walker and I have to. And so, but it's about the disconnect that happens and that you allow to. So we deal with a lot of financial infidelity when Mm -hmm. we see people come to get the divorce financial portrait because the finances come out and there is a lot of financial infidelity, but that generally leads to the mistrust, not leads to, but mistrust is a result of a lot of that. But how do you tell someone to rest if that's what it is? And it's not because people don't consider any emotional value to finances, which I always have a problem with. Right. I think we need to assign an emotional value to finances. So if you say, yes, your husband or your wife cheated on you with another person, yes, that's founded and you should go take care of yourself. Mm. But what about the people who just, it's a financial thing. You still have to give yourself the time. I always say, for us, we're all about educating our clients. So the education for us is a way of them not really resting, but restarting or restart a development of their relationship with money rather than fight with their spouses about the money. Absolutely. I think that's an important point that you make. Money is extraordinarily symbolic. When people tell me money is just about numbers, one plus one equals two. Well, that's fine. But, you know, in in my business, one plus one really equals three, right? I have a mother, a father, and then I have a child. So one plus one in my world is not two. And there's a lot of emotions that go along money and where we come from, right? What did we learn about money when we were growing up? And that's what we bring in into any relationship, whether romantic or not, but definitely in a romantic relationship. What did you learn about money as a kid very much influences what you do as a person. Gender roles are significantly entrenched in money. So I absolutely agree. There's a big emotional piece to money. What I would say to you and to your clients is that resting here may be less about time and more about intention. When you discover financial infidelity, you do need to kind of like take a moment. You need to take a moment because it's not just the number. Of course, the number is going to be important, okay? But it's also what the number means. And how did that infidelity happen? Did you discover that infidelity or was it disclosed? To me, though, that's a really important piece as well. So lots of different places where money is is very emotional and very symbolic. Yeah. I like when you say you need to stop there for a minute. Mm -hmm. You know, we use the word pause a lot of times because in the financial part of divorce, if you're not that person who is educated on the money or knowledge of the money, you're Mm -hmm. often directed by a lot of different people. This person's telling you to do this. This person's telling you to do that. 
Mm. And you're moving, trying to move at this pace where everything's not following. So just your head's going ahead. So emotional. So if if everyone would just stop or if that person would just stop and put a halt to everybody else and take that moment there to use that your R with the rest word Mm -hmm. would be really beneficial. And I think that's part of the platform that our process provides that time to kind of let everything settle down while we collect the data for them and get them that information. So I can really relate and appreciate what you're saying here for just Mm -hmm. even our viewers. So if you're listening and you're in the middle of that financial process, just take a little rest and let us guide you through at your pace. Yeah, I love that too. Absolutely. All right, let's move on to the second R. So the second R is reflection. And this in my process through the mental health piece, but as you ladies are saying, money goes hand in hand with everything. We need money to live, to survive. Money is either about safety or about freedom. So whatever your meaning is for money, this period, this next piece of reflection, what I encourage people to do is really to, in taking this time that you're resting, you're also wanting to really take a look at not only all of the pieces of your puzzle, so to speak, right? Of which money is one of them, but there's money and family and work and children and extended families. There's a variety of hats that we wear as people that I really like to encourage the contemplation. And there is a a lot of pausing, as you were saying, Catherine, in this time period. I ask people to do some of this kind of in some tried and true ways, meaning some very old school ways. I believe in old fashioned paper and pencil. Yes. Yes. Because it's a struggle that I have many times, particularly my younger clients where they want to do everything on their phones or on their tablets. And I, I need paper and pencil. And I've negotiated with some of them where they'll at least use an iPad, right? But they have to write on the pad not tight. (laughs) So that's my negotiation with many of them. But that's one way to start to ground yourself in all of these emotions, all of the feelings that come up from an infidelity of whatever kind. It is a betrayal is about a broken promise. And that violation of that promise taps into a whole bunch of different things, potentially. And so the reflection time is, you know, what's happened? What was my piece on how I got here? What is the various areas that I really want to focus on or need to focus on? Just kind of a sorting out of all of the things and the pieces that are happening around us. And that time frame can take some people really dive into that. Some people really have to do a bit and then they go back to resting. And then they go back to some of the contemplating, but then it becomes overwhelming and they have to go back to resting. And very often, my clients anyway, don't have people like you, resources like you that can help them do some of a bunch of the legwork. They're trying to do everything at once. And like you said, being informed by a whole bunch of different people, many times who don't have their best interest. So- These two first steps for me are about helping people hit that pause button that you were saying. Well, like in the reflection part, I imagine you see a lot in just that time period of guilt of what I did wrong and what I should have done better financially. Like I should have lived within a budget, but I didn't know, or maybe he was right because I should have done this or I shouldn't have bought the kids that. 
And then they could be blamed like, oh my gosh, we have more than I thought. You're making me live on a penny or blame that I was never, you never kept me in the loop for that. And then there could be anger, anger, you know, financially, like we should have discussed this. We should have known what our expectations were. You should have invited me more into the conversation of finances. And again, in our process, we see a lot of that come out. So I'm sure in your process here, and I could see why you have to go back to the rest. So when you go back to the rest, do you skip the reflection part now and get to your third R or do you go back? Is it always in this process? I think that like a big piece of this, because it is so unique, a big piece of this is really helping people to just honor wherever they are at. Again, we live in a, in a culture that, you know, is about go, 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 and we have to get everything done. And there's one right way. And in reality, there isn't. And so I very often try to help them to be okay with going back and forth, that the resting is crucial. (laughs) And when they go into the reflection piece, they may come up against, let's say they are able to have resources like you guys. And then you guys give them a bunch of things to think about. Well, technically we're back in the reflection stage as far as how I work. Because you go into the third R, and the third R is about resetting. Resetting is really, we want to reset with now this new knowledge. Not only the knowledge that, let's say, you guys can offer somebody about how to do finances and all the other information that very often partners don't have, but definitely a lot of women don't have. And I work a lot with Latino and Hispanic women. And we have on top of that, the whole cultural situation that all of these things then are, that's not very often traditionally the woman's role or the woman's place to, let's say, deal with money. My mother happened to be somebody who was pretty involved in the finances between her and my dad, but that was quite unusual for 1950s, 1960s Cuba, where my parents are from originally. And so she knew, but Still, there was times when stuff happened that she didn't know about because the expectation wasn't that she didn't pay the bills, she didn't do. So the resetting to me has to do with when you've done these parts and you're feeling like you have not only knowledge, but more importantly, physical and psychological energy, that then you can step into the process of, okay, what do I need to do? Now, what are the action steps that I need to do or want to do in order to kind of reorganize or reset my life. Yeah. And I think a lot of the emotion in that space Mm -hmm. and in other spaces is fear and guilt, right? So to even feel worthy to be in a space where they're managing money or their life or their children Mm -hmm. or anything else, Mm -hmm. getting beyond that probably takes several resets Because they don't even know what it looks like or feels like to be empowered and even permission in that space. Permission. I think that's an important word. I spend a lot of time helping people, women, come into giving themselves permission to think or feel or decide. So Mm -hmm. permission, I think, is, is a key psychological component for a lot of us. Oh my gosh, you couldn't say that better. I love that word too, because I can't tell you how many times we have, particularly women, not so much the men clients of ours, 
but am I allowed to ask for this document? Am I allowed to ask again for the meaning of this financial piece of the puzzle? Am I allowed to do this? But yet we'll see their spouse and most men do it without asking anyone. Yeah, you don't need permission to get the information that you need, right? Right. And that's very American and U.S. values based. Again, working many times with Hispanic or Latino cultures, that permission thing is very much a piece of it. And there's connotations that go along with asking or not asking, or the roles are more defined. I'm talking about more traditional families. I'm happy to start to see a lot more of the younger generations where men are a lot more engaged and involved in maintaining, creating and maintaining their relationships and women feeling like they have a voice. Okay. But traditionally, it's exactly what you're saying, that a woman will say to me, well, you know what, I don't, I really don't want to make a lot of fuss. I just want to, I just want him to leave me alone. So I'm just going to give him everything. And I'm like, pause, wait, <laughs> wait, before you start giving away stuff, can we even talk about, right? What's there, what your rights are, what your responsibilities are. It's a constant, very often part of helping them go back to the reflection. The reflection at times has to do with, again, where did we come from? What did we learn about money and, and responsibilities and raising children? All of that, what we brought into this relationship. Because now the rules have changed. Once you decide to get out of a marriage or a long, certainly a long-term marriage, now the rules are all different. Yeah. Unfortunately, if they don't fix that, they get into their next relationship and it starts all over again. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's really a relationship with yourself, right? Mm -hmm. That then right. creates all of your other relationships. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So your clients and people in general just kind of cycle through all of these different spaces of ours. Mm -hmm. I think that's what you're saying. So what is the fourth one? So the fourth one is about re-engaging. And that one has to do with re-engaging either with other people, meaning deciding if we're ready to get into another relationship, as well as re-engaging just in the world in general. It's kind of the light at the end of the tunnel or the coming out of that really could be short, could be long grieving process, because really a divorce is a, a grieving process, as I'm sure you guys deal with all the time. It is a significant grieving process. And so the re-engaging part has to do with, okay, so now I've honored my rest time and I know that I need it and I'm clear on how I do rest and what works for me. And I've done some contemplation. I've really reflected on where I was and where I want to be. And I have reset. I've started to put some things into play that is going to shift how I am or, or what my life is going to look like. And so the re-engaging part has to do with that next action step of engaging with, with other people. It could be the, okay, I'm going to go back to dating, but I work with so many women who want to skip over my first three steps and go into the re-engaging <laughs> part. <laughs> and the, those dating situations then become like landmines and they're blowing up all over the place because we're trying to do something different with the same set of internal rules. Like, as you were saying, Karen, this is really all about you and working with the self, you know, the one with the big capital S, that <laughs> sense yeah. of self. And until we really have a greater awareness of that, 
we'll continue to make the same decisions, the same choices, even if they're not good for us. Which is why divorce rates are higher for your second marriage and even higher for your third. Right. Don't skip the first three R's. <laughs> Absolutely. If you, get out, <laughs> if you get nothing else out of our conversation, correct. Don't skip the first three steps and go into stage four. That's, that's, so one, important. that's one of the positive sides to divorce, right? Mm-hmm. How many times would you love to reset and just re-engage in a different manner? Hindsight's always our best sight, they say. Absolutely. So if you go through the, your steps in that process, it could be really rewarding to you. To Absolutely. actually get to reset and restart, especially creating a new money story, because even when you go through our process, the transformation that we see from individuals who had no knowledge, who now have a knowledge and have the ability to make smart decisions for themselves, that big S that you say, it's rewarding to us just to see it. Mm-hmm. It's very empowering. Mm-hmm. So like you said, whenever anybody tells you money is only logic. Drives me crazy. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is one of the core emotions, really. Next time I'm going to say, go tell them to rest and you'll be back to them. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Catherine, you often say that people will talk about pretty much any topic before they'll talk about finances. So I think in that space, the re-engagement probably comes up much quicker than any pausing or allowing because it's a very, I don't know, taboo subject for whatever reason in our society. Yeah, I think it's also, I think Hills has said on that. It's that reflection part that probably a lot of people want to skip over as well, because you have to take some accountability. And when you sit there and you say, okay, I never really asked to be engaged with the finances, or I never really asked why our credit card bills were so high. And I never really asked why I'm on this strict budget or Mm -hmm. any questions you just never asked. And then you get to be our age. And you're sitting in a room with a bunch of women our age and you ask them questions. They're so embarrassed about the financial disconnect that they have. So they want to get up and run to the bathroom or get another glass of wine. But if we mention sex, oh, anyone will talk about anything, right? So it is really interesting. I think a lot of skipping of that reflection part. Yeah. I don't want to leave this podcast without talking a couple minutes about your navigational mapping technique. That sounds very interesting. And it sounds like something that you offer to a lot of your clients. I often talk about how we are so willing to use GPS for everything these days, right? When I was a kid, my mother was a map genius. My mother could open a map. Not only could she open it, she could refold it correctly, (laughs) but... (laughs) But she also had this route lined up. She was my dad's co-pilot when we were kids and did road trips. So the idea of really having visually looking at something and then mapping it out versus the GPS today that's done for us, really. We just say where we want to go and it maps out the route. And so it's taken away for people very often those navigational signs that we would pay attention to more when we were younger or other generations. So I try to use this metaphor with people about, we allow GPS to tell us where to go. We just say, hey, take me to this restaurant. You and I know that we've always taken route A to get to this restaurant, but the GPS is telling me to go route B. I'm going to follow route B, even though route A has always worked fine for us, right? And so it's that almost inherent trust, you know, that we put into 
these technology. And so I try to ask people to think about if they can do that there, could they, would they allow themselves then to kind of create these other ways to map themselves? And that's all my whole kind of introduction thing many times in talking to them about these four R's and helping them to pay attention to, we've got to intentionally and purposefully step into the different parts because otherwise we work off of remote. We work off of our default modes. Yeah. We do what we do because it's what we've always done, not necessarily because it's good for us or the best thing for us. So my mapping technique is about really having them start to pay attention to what are their road signs. What are they, what's their path? What's the path that they've been on? What's the path that maybe they would like to get on? And <clears throat> there are different ways, right, to get to the same place, right? Yeah. And it is really about thinking about how to get to that place for you. I love that. I love that so many of our clients, actually families, both men and women, I don't think this is that necessarily gender specific, but to that point, I think a lot of people in the financial world get back on their heels and want to go in defense mode and talk about what's going on and where they're afraid and what that other person may be doing and to get them to talk about, well, what do you want? What are your goals? What are your needs? Let's go there and then back everything into that because you're not going to be able to control someone's behavior or what happened or people spend thousands of dollars in that space because it's so difficult for them to own where they want to be and what they want to do and how they want to get there because that's a commitment, I guess, that they're just not accustomed to think about or even dream about dream. That's a good term. One that I use a lot. Just, yeah. just pretend for me, you know, Karen, pretend from the realistic to the ridiculous, where would you like to be? And really just, again, give ourselves permission to think outside of that proverbial box or that one route that we've put ourselves in, our families put ourselves in, what, however we got there. Right. Um, yeah. But yeah. I love that. Okay. Well, this concludes our episode on how to prepare for divorce, the four R's of emotional restoration. I hope this was very helpful to you. I loved our conversation. Hilsa, can you spend a couple of minutes to let our listeners know where they can find you? Well, on Instagram, I am at Tough Love Healer. That's a long story. And my, some of my clients gave me that name. Of <laughs> Healer. And on my website at hilsafort.com, you can get a better feel for who I am and how I work and a little bit more about this navigational maps that you were saying, Karen. So I'm happy to uh, have been able to chat with you ladies today. I really, really am so happy to hear that there are people like you guys that are doing this kind of work because so many of my clients have no clue where to start. And I end up being the resource. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, thank you for sharing your four hours because they definitely play into our clients. We'll love to share that with them. And of course, your clients are welcome to come see us as well. Great. I do. I have you guys on my list of uh, referral sources for working with. And since the world is virtual now, it's okay if my clients are in Miami. <laughs> yeah, or I'll come see them. <laughs> that, that's always welcome. You always let me know when you're ready to come and have a cafecito in Miami. Oh, I love that. <laughs> that's, Thank that's you. That's great. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you, Hilsa, for a great conversation. You're welcome. Thanks.
If you're considering divorce, make sure to protect your wealth with divorce financial planning from My Divorce Solution. Our certified divorce experts will help you untangle your finances and understand your settlement options so you can negotiate your marital assets with confidence. Protect your financial estate with divorce financial planning. Visit MyDivorceSolution.com to see if you qualify to work with our financial divorce experts. That's MyDivorceSolution.com for expert divorce financial planning. Thanks for joining us on another episode of WeChat Divorce. We hope this episode was informative and supportive on your divorce journey. If you are looking for more support for navigating divorce with confidence and clarity, head over to MyDivorceSolution.com for more podcast episodes, divorce events, and resources for your divorce. We'll see you back here for our next episode.